Hey, this is Pastor Chris Sarno from Relevant Church, and you're listening to ELC Radio. Love God. Lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Let's start here at Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 13. It says this, And Jesus entered the temple courts, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers or thieves. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that is here today. And Father, we just ask that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. Father, we thank you for the honor and the privilege of being counted a part of the family of God. Where, Lord, we don't just call you God, we call you Father. Or as the Hebrew language says, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. You are our daddy, our father. Open up our hearts today, daddy, and speak into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. That just hit me right there as I was praying. We've got to really understand and know who we are. We are the people of God. Can I get an amen on that? But further than that, you and I have been adopted into the family of God which means that your heavenly father is not somebody far away in a position. It's a very personal thing when you take on the word of God and you apply it to your life. God no longer is this old man up in heaven, you know, all the pictures and things. He becomes your father or what the Hebrew writers talked about, Abba father, which means your daddy, your papa. What else? What's some other, what's some other words that maybe we say for, for daddy. Papi. That's your papi in the sky. What else? What else? What else somebody say? Daddy. Pops. Pops. That's my pops. What if you stepped into prayer? Pops, I just love you today. Thank you, pops, for blessing me today. I mean, come on. Quit. Let, let's quit the Father God. Oh, Abba Lord. Jehovah, sit me. Come on. Come on. What if we really personalized this thing and really took it for how God has wanted it to be to where it's not a faraway relationship, it's a real relationship. Now, look at that. He, he, what Jesus says here in this scripture, I'm going to get in here into this in a minute, but, but you've got to get this first understanding of how the gospel wants to be positioned in your life. It's a very personal thing. It is not a religion. It is not a gathering of people that is broad. It is something for you to understand when you become a a Christian, a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He becomes your daddy. Your daddy, not your father. Your daddy. Now, that's a very personal thing because you understand you are just like your daddy. Now, I know for some of y'all, you heard that your whole life, and it was always a negative thing. Girl, you just like your daddy. No, 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 get rid of that, too. That ain't, that's not what I'm talking about. 
You know, every time you got in trouble, oh, you just like your daddy. Stupid as your daddy. Let's get rid of that, okay? Because now when you hear those words, think about that. You are just like your daddy, the creator of the universe, the lover of the world. He loved you so much, he sent you a savior. He loved you so much, he sent you a way out of your sin. He loved you so much, he made, he rescued you from the clutches of our own decisions and our own messed up thinking. That's how much he loves us. And he's your father. He's your daddy. Can I get a good amen on that? Now, we could go home and chew on that all day long, but you got to get that to understand this next part. Because what I'm trying to do in this church is divide us from what we see many times in most Christian circles. Most Christian people, I wish they would say and believe what they say when they say that their Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Because we say that, but we still act like it's a religion. Because with religion, you get to live how you want Monday through Saturday, and then Sunday you do your religion. Sunday you do your penance, your religious thing, that cleanses all the rest of the stuff. That's a religion. That is not what new life in Jesus Christ is. What new life in Jesus Christ is a relationship, but not just any relationship. It's a family relationship. So whenever I'm doing God's work, guess what? I'm working in the family business. Kingdom business is family business. Can I get an amen on that? See, now that blows religious people away because what religious people like to do is they like to take the blessings of Jesus but take none of the responsibility. It's kind of how people date nowadays. They want the sex but not the commitment. Yeah, just look straight ahead at me. You won't know. I don't know. I'm talking right at you. They want the benefits without the ring. Amen? Amen. I wish somebody would have listened to Beyonce when she said, if you like it, put a ring on it. (laughs) Something to learn in that. But see, what is the mentality of our world right now? I want the benefits without the requirements. So we come to Jesus for fire insurance so that if my messed up life, I make a decision where I lose my life, at least I know I will go to heaven one day. And so our relating to God simply is for keeping ourselves out of a eternal damnation. So that's all it is. It's fire insurance. So I come to Jesus just for the peace of mind that when I die, well, I know where I'm going. But see, you're missing the concept of this whole thing. This whole thing, Jesus came to bring you into the family of God, to redeem you so that you can live with God the Father, that you could take on the family business so you could be like your Father God. But we've relegated into a belief, a religion that is there for me when I need it. Most people's relationship with Jesus is like the spare tire that we all have in our car. We don't look at it, we don't touch it, we don't check on it, 
but we know it's there for when we need it. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, thank God for that spare tire. And you know what? That spare tire will be there when you need it. And so will Jesus. But this whole time, if you treat Jesus like that spare tire, you are missing out on the benefits. I've said this story before, and I'm going to say it again because somebody else here needs to hear it. It's very similar as to the man back in the early 1900s who purchased a ticket from the old land of Europe to come across to the new world, America. And he bought a ticket. He saved all he had to buy that ticket to get on that ship so he could come to America. And so because he used all he had, he packed himself little lunches, you know, so that he'd be able to survive the, the, the boat ride here. Because he's like, that's all my money. I don't have any tickets to eat. I don't have any money to get food on the ship. So he brought his little block of cheese and some salami and, you know, some bread. And he figured, man, I'm going to make sandwiches the whole entire trip and I'll make it to America. I won't have any money while I'm there when I get there, but at least I'll make it. So every day as that ship leaves the dock and it goes out to sea, he walks by the dining cart. And every day he sees the people in there and he's like, man, that looks good what they're eating. And they're dining on steak, roasted chicken. Come on, mashed potatoes. I'm making you hungry. I know it. Come on. They, they, you know, they, they, they're dining. They're, they're drinking sodas and they're having cocktails and coffees and teas. And he walks by that cart every day, every night, sees them eating. And he's just like, man. One day, I'm going I'm to take this cruise and have that someday. Goes back to his room every day, cuts his little, cuts the mold off his cheese and eats the good part, makes him a little sandwich, you know, and has his little sandwich right there in the room, and he's just grateful. And then finally, the last day comes. He's walking by the cart, and one of the, one of the, uh, the, the, the attendants of the ship stops him and says, Sir, um, is everything okay? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be looking in on everybody. He goes, no, no, no. We, we, I was just wondering, can I ask you a question? And he goes, well, yeah, what's up? Did we do something to offend you? Or is, 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 is everything okay? Because we're just wondering why you don't join us for any of our meals. We have a seat for you at one of the tables, and your name is right on it there. And we're just wondering why you've never stopped in. And the man says, oh, well, you know, I... I'm really embarrassed to say this, but uh, I don't have any money for the food, you know. I, I used everything I could to get the ticket, and, you know, so I'm going back to my room. I brought my own food, and I've been enjoying that there. Uh, it's nothing you guys have done. Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if it appears that way. And the steward looks at him and says, and he just puts his head down with tears in his eyes, and he said, Sir, didn't you read the form that came with your ticket? All the meals are included with the price of your ticket. The things that the people are eating, they were included with the ticket that you got. How many know that's a sad reality right there? Yet as a pastor, I see Christians doing this over and over and over again. And y'all see people in this church being blessed. You see people in this church living a good life. And some of us are looking at them and going, man, that must be nice, but I ain't got time for that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just glad I'm in the, I'm going to heaven. That's it, you know. But I'm here to tell you, when you gave your life to Jesus, it wasn't just about getting into heaven. John 10.10 is Jesus' mission statement in the earth. He said, I have come to give you 
a better life than you could ever dream of. That was his plan and his purpose. Because why? You're not out there as a friend of God. I know Jesus called the disciples friend, but we, we take that to mean certain things. That means he's relating with us. You're not just a friend of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. The Bible says you're an heir of salvation. What that means is this, whatever is your daddy's, you can have. But the problem that we have is two things. One, identity. Second things is how do we access? How do we access? And so people, one, we don't believe who we are. You still think you're so-and-so from the block. You still, you know, claiming your native birth more than you claim the kingdom, you know, you, you still think you, you, you still Sinaloa, you know, that's all right. Be proud of that. But you know what Trump Sinaloa, the kingdom. And I wish I could get people as excited about their kingdom birthright as their racial birthright. Because when you start identifying more with your kingdom than your race, or your background, street, or your hood, or your clica, come on, <laughs> or your set, then you start getting them kingdom blessings. Are you with me today? So that's where we're starting with. That's what we've got to get inside is understanding, man, God loves me, but he loved me enough to adopt me. And not only does he give me freedom from hell, he gives me answers for now. So that no, no matter what I'm dealing with, if I give him my life, if I surrender to his lordship, I can have what he wants me to have. And how do I know what he wants me to have is better than what I want? Because his word tells us that in John 10, 10. He came to give you an abundant life, which means a more than enough life, okay? So this is where we start with. So now we fast forward here. We're seeing Jesus in his mission to come to the earth to redeem us all. And he enters the temple courts and he's very upset. I believe it's the book of Luke or the book of Mark that details this in another way. A whip came to the house of God and he saw the people in there selling doves and they were uh, uh, buying and selling in there. Now, what were they buying and selling? They weren't just buying stuff and selling stuff. What they were doing is they were uh, selling animals to be sacrificed to God, okay? Now, you might say, well, what's the big deal about that? Isn't the, doesn't the Bible tell us that we should be bringing sacrifices to the Lord? Well, what it was doing to the sacrifice is it was cheapening it. Because you got to understand how they did things back in those days. The animals that they sacrificed or they were supposed to sacrifice unto the Lord were animals that were supposed to have been raised by them, that they had a connection with. So what was beginning to happen in the church is the sacrifice was being cheapened. So I ain't got to raise no goat. I just go to church. Hey, give me one of those goats. Offer it up. There's no connection there. See, it's a different thing, and some of you with kids will realize this. When you're raising that goat, them kids every day going out there playing with the goat, naming the goat. You try to tell them, no, 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 don't give him a name, don't give him a name. No, 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 that's Bucky the goat. He likes to buck. 
And they go out and they say, we're going to feed Bucky today. Yay, let's go play with Bucky. But Daddy knows that's the scapegoat right there. I'm going to have to take that goat and we're going to have to sacrifice that goat. So Daddy tries to get up early one Sunday before the kids and take Bucky into town to the temple. How many know that's a whole different experience? That's a whole different sacrifice because now there's a pool. Do I obey God or do I upset my family? Did you know that same pool still exists today? Do I tithe and make my wife upset? Or do I do what the word tells me to do? But see, we work around that just like they did back then. So this guy tries to go out and get that goat before the kids get up. But how many know you can't get up before them kids? Y'all know how it is. You step out, kids jump up. Daddy, daddy, where are you going? I'm going to get Bucky. Why are you getting Bucky? Where's Bucky going? Sit down, kids. Got to teach you something today. And he gets out the scriptures and he says, you know, the Bible says that for the forgiveness of our sins, we need blood. And so what, the, what, the, our, what our God has set up is that if we bring a sacrifice to the temple and we sacrifice this, he will cleanse us of our sins. And the kids are saying, yeah, but not Bucky. Can't you do it another way? Not in my tithe. How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to? We're not going to be able to go to Disney. We're not going to be able to do this. It's the, it's the same scenarios today, but it's different. And so the dad would have to take that goat anyway, because the father realized obeying God brings the blessing on my kids. We've got to be able to be uncomfortable for an instant for a better life. And when comfort is your God, you're in trouble. Because to have a good life, you got to go through uncomfortable seasons. So knowing that setup, Jesus walks into the temple and he sees, man, they're selling. They're, they're offering a, sac- a, 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 a relationship with God with no sacrifice. With no sacrifice. That's what he's offering. And that is what I submit to you made Jesus upset. That's what made him upset because he was about to go to a cross and pay the ultimate sacrifice. And the people couldn't even give him a goat or a dove that was their own. And he's thinking, these are the folks I left glory to come to I was at the top of the universe on the throne. I'm laying down my godliness to come into a flesh body where he's experiencing the filth of the five senses. Listen, he left heaven that is streets of gold, the aroma, the fragrance of praise, cleanliness, perfect environment to come and live in a flesh suit body with odor. And heaviness and weight and tiredness and, and, and all this to come. And then he gets to the house of God where the people of God are supposed to be and they won't offer the proper sacrifice. See, that's what upset Jesus. So the Bible says he got a whip together. 
and he drove them all out of his father's house. You want to know there's something else you need to catch there. Jesus took it personal how they were relating to the father's house. I pray that every person in here will take personal this church. This ain't my church. St. Pastor Tina's church. This ain't the front row's church. This is your church. Tell your neighbor, this is my church. It's my church. But see, the problem that we have here is we have people coming to the house of God. Now look at verse 13. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, which what is prayer? Prayer is sacrifice. That's why some of y'all don't do it. Just smile at me. I love you. Come on. I love you. But seriously, when I'm struggling in my prayer life, it's because I'm not wanting to sacrifice the time, the energy. You ever said this? Man, I'm too tired to pray. That's what that is. That's the flesh saying, don't sacrifice. Too tired to sacrifice. We all, we all do it. I'm guilty of it too. We all have done that. But prayer is a sacrifice. So my house will be called a house of prayer, a house of sacrifice. But you, it's, it's other things too. I, I'm just touching on this for the sake of where I'm going. But you are making it a den of robbers or thieves. Now, what is it? Why would Jesus use that terminology? And this is what I want you to catch. You've got to catch this today so that you can get the rest of where I'm going. He says the church is to be a place of sacrifice, not a den of thieves. Well, what are thieves? When you look up the word thief or robber, a thief or a robber is one who takes what is not his for his own personal gain. I want you to catch this because you might find out that you're a robber. See, you've been thinking you're a Christian, but... Maybe today you'll find out you're a robber. Now, if you do find that out, that's a good thing. Don't leave here all depressed. That's good. Because once you find out you've done something wrong, that's when the grace can come. That's what's so incredible about serving God. Is once I find out and I face that I've been doing wrong, that's when God enters the picture. It's when you don't see it or refuse to see it that the grace can't come. As long as you're saying, nah, not me. Nah, I'm cool. Nah, I'm straight. Nah, nah, I'm good. The grace can't come. But the minute you say, dang, got me. Wow, that's me. Lord, forgive me. His grace can flood your life. What is, his, what is the grace? It's God's ability on your ability to help you do what you cannot do. We've been talking about that. So what is the thing that has to come before the grace can flood? You got to see it. That's why we spend so much time preaching about the things we do wrong, because before you can come to the altar, you first got to see you need Jesus. You ever try to share Jesus with people that think they don't need it? They say, I'm good. But then let something bad happen in their life. You know how many people I've led to the Lord because they had a court date on Monday? I led so many crying mamas to the altar. Be with my baby. The sad thing is, for some of them, I don't see them again. And it ain't because they went to jail. They got off. They still ain't coming back to church. But see, what, what, what are we saying here? So you've got to hear this because I might be talking to you. And if I'm talking to you, don't get mad about it. It's okay. See it because now the grace can come in if you can repent of doing it. 
What does repent mean? Change. Go the other way. So if I am a thief, stop thieving and the grace comes. Okay? So if a thief is somebody that takes what is not theirs for their own personal gain, could it be that's what most Christians are? Because what do, how do Christians go to church? What's the number one, uh, you know, when you talk to Christians, I met a guy at my son's bas- uh, baseball game recently, and we were sitting there next to each other. Our kids play on the same team. And he goes, hey, what do you do? I say, oh, I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, really? And we start talking. And the first thing he begins to do is tell me why he goes to the church he goes to. And he says, yeah, I go to this church. I said, oh, really? I said, How do, why do you go? He goes, well, I go there because they do this, this, and this for me. See, he's taking, 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 taking. And I go, oh, that's good. Well, do, are you involved in anything? He goes, no, not really. I don't have time for it. My job is very strenuous. It's very hard. So, you know, I'm just lucky to get in there on Sunday so that I could take. Now, catch this now. Catch it. I'm not throwing stones, but you got to catch this because that mentality in America is how everybody does it. Test it out. Go talk to your uh, friends that go to church on, on, on work to, at work tomorrow. Hey, do you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. How come do you? Why do you go there? Nine times out of ten, they'll say, oh, because we love the children's program. We love the worship. I like the pastor's message. And it's all take, take. Take. Now, let me just stop right here. There's nothing wrong for receiving from the house of God. But let's remember what the house of God is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a house of prayer, which some would just go, oh, well, that means we need to pray there. No, it's deeper than that when you understand what prayer is. Prayer involves sacrifice. My house shall be a house of sacrifice. Do you know what makes Elevate Life Church great? The people that sacrifice every day so that you could come into this school auditorium that if you come Monday through Friday, it smells like lunch and maybe gym socks, maybe. But we got a team that sacrifices their time to come and they, and they sweep the floor. They come, they set up the sound. They come, they lift these curtains up so that you don't have to see them lunch tables. They come, set these comfortable chairs out. That's sacrifice. Are you guys catching what I'm saying? Then there's another group that comes a little bit later that comes and they put on these black shirts and they come and they usher and they make sure everything's run properly. They make sure if a 6'8 guy comes in the house of God and he's a little off, and he wants to preach louder than me from the back row. They come and make sure he's not harmed in any way, but that he's escorted out. You guys understand where I'm coming from? On the, See, these ushers, they are the doorkeepers in the house of God. And they make sure that when you come in, you ain't got to worry about somebody just going crazy on you. We've got a group that is dressed up today. Some of them are here. I got my Black Panther shirt on. What? What? Wakanda forever. Somebody say, why are you wearing that? You're not black. Listen, I wore Captain America for years, and I wasn't white. <laughs> Come 
come on. I wasn't tripping then. I ain't tripping now. Because we still ain't got a Mexican superhero. Chapulín Cuadrado, maybe. Man, that's about it. Chapulín, you know, they couldn't find the shirt. We're working on it, though. We're working on it. Michoacán forever, eh? I don't know, whatever. But we got a whole group back there, and they're dressed up like superheroes. They're playing with your kids, and they're teaching them about the real superhero, Jesus Christ. And they're doing that, and it's a sacrifice. They went out and spent their own money buying stuff, shoot, uh, clothes at Target and outfits and things. What is all that? That is a sacrifice. Are you guys tracking with me? What you guys do for the uh, summer basketball league and our praise and worship team. And praise and worship team, they get out on, on Wednesday nights. They practice for a couple hours. They get here at 8. They're setting up their own instruments. They're putting things together. They're running through songs. What is that? That is a sacrifice. That's what makes our church great is the amount of people that come and present a sacrifice. Can I get a good strong amen on that? Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do what some of us are doing, okay? Because my wife and I are called to pay a higher sacrifice. You know, our staff pays a higher sacrifice. But we're not putting that on y'all. That's our decision. But all we're saying is at the level you're at, we have to all take the responsibility of understanding that my service to God and his house must demand a sacrifice. Because if I'm not sacrificing, I'm taking and taking and taking. And what we're taking is not ours. It's heaven's. And so if you just take what heaven has for your own selfish gain, you're a thief and you're a robber. And if you are, today is going to be the best day of your life because now it's the day where you could go, Dang, I see it, I admit it, and I'm going to change it. And once you do that, that's what repentance is. The grace of God floods your life. And now he could take you to new levels in life. Are you guys tracking with me today? So this is not a bad, it's, it's never a bad thing when God confronts you. It's a good thing because now God can flood you with his grace. Amen. Are you, are you with me on that? So we need to grasp this concept of the family business and what it was that made Jesus so upset was that you've made my house supposed to be a house of prayer. There stays attached to it a sacrifice of some kind. Then we will be fulfilling the scriptures when it says build him a house of prayer. Because it's not just prayer he's talking about in these things, although prayer is a part of it. Amen. So let me let me wrap this up for you, because I want to show you some exciting things that that are happening here. So that's what we're, we're to be. We're to be a, a called out body here. Now, I want to take you to First Timothy five, verse eight. You can look on the screen there. First Timothy five. Verse eight. And this is a scripture here that Paul is writing to Timothy about the church and they're having church. For one thing, the church was not taking care of its own. They weren't operating like a family. And so what was happening is there were widows in the church. And for whatever reason, their husbands were dying. And the church was not assisting them. 
The church was not doing anything for them. And so he's writing all these things to tell the church folks in the previous verses. But then he gets to verse 8, and he makes this statement to Timothy, and he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, single moms out here, don't go texting that to your ex right away here. Let's hold back a little bit. Let's preach the truth in love. Come on. They probably need to hear it. But let's hold back on that. Let's, 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 let's digest that for ourselves right now. It does apply to that. It does. And if you're a father here, you need to take that home. Get that tattooed somewhere on you for a reminder. That's a better one than the Chinese thing you got on there. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I better be careful. I saw some of you going, hey, man, I like that. But it says here, it's worse than an unbeliever when we don't provide for our own household. That's a strong statement. Dads, that should get you up in the morning. Fathers, that should get you going to that job that you hate every day because it puts food on the table. It should get you going doing whatever you got to do. Hustle, grind to provide for yours. Can I get an amen from the king's men in here? Amen. amen. I'm not afraid of that scripture. It's what we do. It's how we roll. That's how we get. Now I'm going to stop right there. Okay. <laughs> but that second part we've got to understand is this. That scripture does not just apply to your household. It applies to the household of faith. Amen. Amen. The household of faith. Yeah. If I call myself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, but I don't help provide for Elevate Life Church. And I say, that's my church. That's my church. But yet I don't take part in providing for this household. I'm worse than an unbeliever. Because at least an unbeliever don't know. I can't hold you accountable for what you don't know. But David, when you know it and you don't do it, that's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing. <laughs> I use your name because I know you're good, so that's why. It's a whole nother thing. So if it does make you say ouch, it's not a bad thing. God is giving you an opportunity for grace to flood your life for you to part of the responsibility. Right, and I want to show you something. Another one too. So do four through four more here, and then I'm done. All right, and I want to show you something. Okay, so Second Chronicles two four through six. Let me read this to you here. It says, this is, this is uh, Solomon talking about the temple. He says, behold, I'm building a temple for the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to him, to burn before him sweet incense for the continual showbread, for the burnt offerings. See all these offerings? See all these sacrifices? Morning and evening, on the Sabbath, on the new moons, on the set feast of the Lord our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. And the temple which I build will be great for the, our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build him a temple? Since heaven, since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, who am I then that I should build him a temple except to burn sacrifice for him? Now, this is an Old Testament scripture. It is talking about sacrifice. And you don't need to tell me. I already know in the new covenant, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. We are not paying sacrifice to cleanse us, to make us better, 
to get us closer to God, that's all done. Our sacrifice now is thankfulness. It's worship. It's how we interact. It's not to get. See, they had to do all this, so they was going to be crispy critters. They weren't going to make it. They're going to burn forever. We don't got to. It's taken care of through the blood of Jesus. So you that are getting up early and doing these things, relax in, in your mind, in a sense. Because the old saints used to do this. Oh, I got to do this. I don't want my family to go to hell, so I'm going to get this done and da-da-da. That's not why we do it. Our response and the way we serve is from a place of gratitude. Amen? Amen. And I know our world doesn't know too much about gratitude. No, it's, we're losing the sense of gratitude because now people feel entitled. Amen? It used to be, I remember they used to come out, I used to be on TV shows all the time. Uh, I used to watch the Brady Bunch, like religiously as a kid growing up. I know I'm dating myself, but just track with me here. And there was an episode one time where one of the older brothers saved, I think it was Peter, saved Bobby's life. Anybody remember the Brady Bunch? Thank you. I'm going for the old school heads today. So Peter was the middle guy. Bobby was the youngest. And he was out playing in the street because Bobby was kind of like that sometimes. He just hadn't had no sense. And I think it was Peter jumped out, rescued him from getting hit by a car. And Bobby got up and he said, you saved my life. And the rest of the whole episode was about Bobby trying to repay that debt or to show gratitude. That's what he's doing his homework and doing his chores for him. And that, that don't happen today. Today, brothers just be like, oh, you saved my life, man. Good looking out. See you later. <laughs> and there's not that gratitude. But see, here's what happens when you're like that. There's no relationship. There's no relationship. When somebody does something for me, it's not, in a, it's, it's not like a debt, but it's a response. Gratitude. Just show gratitude. And so this is, this is what I want you to take from this, though. So this is Solomon's look at building God a house. He wants to do it for offering of worship unto the Lord, sacrifices to the Lord. Now jump down to 2 Chronicles 7, 12 through 16. You can come and help me up here. <clears throat> well, wait, no, you know what? You don't have a chair yet, so just stay there. I'm going to tell you to play in a minute. Sorry. It says this, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer. And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And when I shut up heaven, there is no rain. Or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Man, that's a beautiful scripture. If you ever worried about God forgiving you, it's right there. He will forgive you. But look at this next part. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to prayers made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. Here it is. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, what does this mean? Let me break this down for you. I learned this from Pastor Charles many years ago. What this basically is talking about is that for the rest of time, God's heart and his eyes 
will forever be upon his dwelling place, the church. The church. The gathering places. This church, the church down the street, the church over there, whatever. Wait, say, what church are you talking to? It's talking about the church you go to. That's what it's talking about, if you're wondering. The church you go to. So what is it saying about the church you go to? It's saying that the heart of your father is found in the church you go to. His eyes are perpetually on the church you go to. So if that's where my father's heart, that's where his eyes are, that's where I better get involved in. Because we try to get God involved in our stuff. How many know what I'm talking about? We get a dream, we get a desire, we get something, and we try to get God. God, bless this thing over here. Bless this, Lord. Bless my business. Bless my ministry. Bless my, you know, whatever it is, my career, my this, my relationship. Bless this, Lord. Bless, 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 bless. But did you know how you can get everything you're doing blessed is simply to connect with what is on God's heart and where his eyes are. I don't have to get God to bless my family. I connect my family with his heart, his house. I don't got to run and get God to bless my business. God, God bless my business. Do this for my business. I connect my business to his house. Are you seeing this? I don't have to worry, oh God, my marriage, my marriage is falling apart. God, what are we going to do? Our family is being broken. Connect your marriage, connect your family to where his heart and his eyes are. Are you seeing this? If this generation gets it, we can change our communities. See, the previous generation didn't get it. They were still going to church like we learned in the Catholic church. You go to church to get right. You go to church to get God to be happy with you. You go to church to get a blessing. No, that's not what it is. We go to church in response to God already blessing us, already being there for us, and we offer the sacrifice of praise, of service, and even money so that God can be glorified and we can reach more people. And if I tie my business, my relationships, my family to where his heart and where his eyes are, I get the John 10, 10 blessing by accident. Come on, give God a good praise clap. So this should make a lot of y'all happy because a lot of y'all serve God hard. I love pastor in this church because y'all go hard. If we say we're going to do an outreach, y'all come out. Buy a shirt to be out there. Put a vest on, be working security. Y'all get out there making tacos, selling sodas, painting faces. We'd be out here the last five summers on a hot blacktop, the hottest part of the day, coaching kids that don't listen. <laughs> coaching kids that don't want to be coached. They, are, they already think they're Jordan. You know, and you're out there because y'all get it. So I'm not preaching this to try to convince y'all. I'm saying this to y'all so you can build your faith that whatever you're believing for is coming your way. 
But there may be somebody out here that's, you've always listened to that second voice. You know you should get involved. But that second voice always comes and talks you out of it. Well, you know, maybe next year. I just ain't got time this year. Well, maybe another time. And that voice is keeping you from connecting to where his eyes and his heart is, the family business. Amen? Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.